After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. I'm JJ Cooper, joined here today by Matt Eddy. And we've got exciting news. It's the first day of February, first February podcast of the year. But the news in Baseball America world this week, or in the Baseball America offices, is the prospect handbooks are here. We have ours sitting on our desks. If you were one of the people who pre-ordered, you hopefully already have it in your hands. If you don't, it's been shipped from here. It's on the way. It'll be arriving to you shortly. If you haven't ordered yet, though, it, it, I guess I ask the question, well, what are you waiting for? You know, but if you haven't, it's time to, to, to make that order. You can give us a call at 800-845-2726 during normal business hours, Eastern Time business hours, Monday through Friday. We have people here ready to take your order. Or you can just go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store. Reminder, as always, if you order it through Baseball America, you get the supplement. You get the 31st prospect in every organization, so you get 30 more scouting reports. And in addition to that, this year we also have a deal with Top Slash Bowman that you get a uh, five-card pack of, uh, of cards, baseball cards, to go with it. So seeing some Mike Zunino, people getting Mike Zunino cards, you know, a lot of prospect cards in that. So, yeah. so it's, and in, in addition, you get a uh, forward by David Price, right. one of my that favorite is, features of the new book. That is true. The forward <laughs> is by David Price. So uh, so it, it's it's got everything you could want, including 900 uh, scouting reports. And, and who could want, you know, something to keep you busy for the last couple of weeks before the start of spring training, which thankfully is not that far away. But before we can move on to talking about spring training, we're wrapping up our sixth podcast about the team top tens. Our final one, because we've now posted the final top tens up at, at Baseball America. San Francisco Giants were the anchorman finishing things off with the anchor leg uh, posting up on uh, on Wednesday of this week. So now we're going to talk National League West prospects, which as Matt and I were looking through these, Matt Eddy does the San Diego Padres top ten, but as we were looking through these, we, we the thing that jumped out was, hmm, not a lot of uh, organizations here that that stand out as hey you know is this a top five organization? Answer no. no is this a terms top ten? Um, probably not. Yeah, in terms of impact, I don't think so. Uh, we we looked at the in the organization rankings, and most of them fell between fifteen and twenty, right? Right. Or 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 beyond. Like the, the Padres were uh, upper third, and the Giants lower third. Yeah. Everybody the, else was kind of stacked in the middle. Right. The Diamondbacks were the highest rated at the prospect handbook time. Now mm. the the thing being though is that the at the time of the prospect handbook, that included Trevor Bauer. They have replaced Trevor Bauer now with Didi Gregorius, Zeke Sproul, uh, Nick Ahmed, Nick Ahmed, Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury. Is Lars Anderson still prospect eligible? Uh, if it is, I don't, <laughs> I'll put it this way: that's not changing the ranking. I'll put it that way. Um, but you you put all that together, they were, I believe, seventh in the handbook time. They'll probably drop. I would say for all those players they've brought in, taking away Bauer, who was their number three prospect in the organization, but also a or number two prospect, actually, I think, believe in the organization. I'll, I think I'll that's ch- right. I'll check my handbook as I say that, but the number two prospect in the organization, uh, a guy who is almost undoubtedly going to be a top, I mean, I, I is definitely going to be a top 50 guy, going to be somewhere probably in that 25 or better range, uh, yeah, number two prospect. When our top 100 comes out, mm-hmm. 
You take him away. You add in, of all the guys they got back, they've probably got one top 100 guy in Didi Gregorius. Didi Gregorius is probably not going to be a top 50 guy. He's more of a back end of the top 100. I think all that's said and done, they're going to drop a spot, you know, or, or so I would guess when we could do our final, our official organization rankings, our, our final ones we, when we look at all the moves of the offseason. Mm-hmm. But but there, I do think, I think we both agree, kind of going at this alphabetically, they also stand out because if you said who has the the most high ceiling or the, the, the most intriguing talent in their organization, even after all these trades, uh, would you agree that's the Diamondbacks of this? Yeah, of the West I mean, team? you start out with Skaggs and, and Archie Bradley, Tyler Skaggs, the left-hander. You know, uh, I think he's going to be 21 this year. Already five fastball, six breaking ball. You know, chance to be six fastballs he fills out. I think I think this guy's the real deal. And, and and you're talking about a guy who already has big league time and and he, you know struggled a little bit in his time in the big league last year, six starts, but. Mm-hmm. For the age he was, and, and you look at just the success he's had, kind of all the way coming up through the minors, he is he's he is one of the safer guys I think right now, pitching wise in in the minors. That you say, okay, this guy's. It's hard to believe he's not going to be, you know, barring injury. We always have to say the pitchers, but it's hard to believe he's not going to be something in the big leagues. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Bradley's a tougher nut to crack. You know, you look at his his ratio here. He's got 87 hits allowed and 84 walks. <laughs> you never. It's kind of a strange. The uh, strike zone was jumping on him a little <laughs> bit last year. Well, how optimistic are you on him finding I'm, control this year? I'm still pretty optimistic considering his youth. I mean, that was his first pro season. Um, it, it was interesting that if we were talking a year ago, right now, there was a pretty strong consensus that Dylan Bundy was better than than Archie Bradley. But it wasn't that there was a whole lot of separation. Both of them were considered 1-2 as the top high school pitching prospects in the uh, 2011 draft. Um, and then kind of coming out of – Archie Bradley had a – everyone has a great instructs. You know, that's that's our <laughs> motto around here. You never hear – you never hear – man, that guy was just lost in instructs. He had no clue what he was doing. Everyone has a good instructs. Archie Bradley's instructional league – the first year he was, you know, the, right after he signed, was especially good from all the reports we had. From scouts outside of the organization who saw him said, man, he really looked good. He just didn't, you know, Dylan Mundy basically went from, okay, he's pretty much ready. And to the big league last year, Archie Bradley spent the year in the, the Midwest League and was ready, barely ready for the Midwest League. I mean, it was a, a much tougher slog. That being said, he didn't give up hits. He mm-hmm. got lots of strikeouts. You know, the control has to get better. I don't think there's anything we've seen that to make me think that it won't. It's just as a young pitcher who's learning how to, you know, he's learning I know. a lot of the, the, the subtle parts of the game. Yeah, for me, for a young guy like this, you're looking for the ability to miss bats, and you worry about the control later. You know, there's one area you can improve. It's generally that. You generally right. don't find a guy who's striking out five for nine now who graduates to striking out nine for nine later. And, and and one of the things with that is is I've I've had this discussion with scouts before. This is one of the tough things. It's funny, you know, we talk about if you're a scout, and some teams have even gotten away from going with the present tool, you know, that, like for young, for low A and yeah. below. But, you know, I've talked about this where you say, like, okay, for a hitter, if you're a guy in low A, you really, realistically, if you're putting a present tool on it, with very, very, very few exceptions, it'd be a two. Because present tool is, is what you're going to do in the big leagues. Well, the same thing with pitchers. Said, you know, I've had scouts tell me, when you talk about command, when you talk about a guy who's in low A and you talk about command, I mean, it's a present two. It's just 
with very few exceptions again. Maybe Kevin Slowey, when he was in low A, didn't, wasn't a two-command. But that is something that it, even when guys reach the big leagues, the majority of guys, when they reach the big leagues, if they have average command, they're doing well. The guys who have well above average command as big leaguers usually didn't have that when they hit the big leagues. So I agree with you. Hmm. That is the tool that you refine, you develop as you come as you come up. But, yeah, it's a lot harder to find the ability to miss bats. Yeah, even at the big league level, you expect pitchers as they mature to lower that walk rate and, and if, it's they're, kind of, if they're talented. It's an inverse relationship. Their ability to miss bats goes down usually, yeah. and their ability to hit spots goes up. So – you know, in, if you go to a lot of low-A games, you, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably have noticed this. You can see as much velocity in a good low-A game as you'll ever see in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. You will see a lot less good strikes. <laughs> you know, and so and I think that's with Archie Bradley. Now, I, you know, he's it's going to be a fascinating to watch him this year because he, he has, hey, congratulations, you're probably going to the California League. Um you better miss bats there, and oh, Tyler Skaggs and Pat Corbin succeeded there. Right. To, 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 uh, the good news is, is that they are in a more and they, D- David they, Holmberg too. Must be a lefty thing. They, but they also they play in one of the more reasonable of the California League parks. It's not as crazy. Andrew Chafin also, yeah. you know, they've, yeah. they've had some success there. I did want to also ask you on this uh, Diamondbacks list. I wanted to ask you what you thought about Adam Eaton. What do you <laughs> think he's going to do? I think you're on I, the. I have the. I'm the low man on him. I think everybody else likes Eaton a lot more than I do. You can give the dissenting opinion. Okay. Uh, to me, he's he's more of a tweener. I just don't think he's got the pure. He's a t- all right. First of all, he's got two power. That's no no power at all, no projection. He's five eight, makes tons of contact, and he's fast. That's good. Uh, but I, and I'm, I'm not sure he's quite the elite defender necessary to start in center field on a good team with that hitting profile. Let me okay. So let me compare him to Brett Gardner coming up. Not Brett Gardner now, but Brett Gardner when he was coming up through you know hitting the big leagues. Is that a fair comparison or? Hmm. You know, I, I just think of uh, when you think of of guys with. With little, very little power, athleticism, speed, and bat on ball skills. It could be. Uh, Gardner's a pretty extreme outlier. Right. I think I mean, outliers or Gardner's are a little more physical, you know, at the same stage. And now he's probably a little more explosive in speed. Right. But I do think that's yeah, like that. That is your best case scenario. That's your best case scenario to me. Is that is that he could be uh, a Brett Gardner type? Is mm-hmm. really what stands out to me. Is is what you if you're if you're a Diamondbacks fan, that's what you hope for. Now. The good news for him is he's following a guy who, there's no other way to put it, who bat ball skills for Chris Young, very low. <laughs> they're, they're just about opposites. <laughs> right. And at some point, I, I don't blame the, the Diamondbacks at all. At some point you have to say, you know what, okay, it's not coming. You know, We've, we've given Chris Young a chance, and the, the swing and miss is too much of a problem. The, the other tools are really not good enough to make up for that. And, his, and Chris Young's other tools are, are pretty good. But I, I don't mind them. I mean, to me, with Adam Eaton, the key thing is, is yeah, you, what you hit on, is he going to be an adequate defender? Is he going to be an above-average defender? Or is he going to be an elite defender? I, I don't think it's – it's kind of hard to believe that he'll be elite. But it really comes down to can he be average at least? I mean, because mm-hmm. if he can be average and hit, then, then you've got something. And, and he has – Diamondback system, it's tough to get a read on hitters, tough to get a read on pitchers. Why we think their pitching is so good is, is that they're in a lot of tough leagues for pitchers. 
and also in a lot of good leagues for hitters. But Adam Eaton has hit wherever he's gone. I think he's going to hit for average. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story. 19th round guy from uh, Miami, Ohio. That's a great that's a great scouting and development job by the Diamondbacks. There's no question about that. Absolutely. It is, but I think it is it, it's going to be he's going to he's one of the interesting guys to kind of what's going to happen in 2013 cuz it's even a year ago, I think if you'd have said, "Hey, Adam Eaton's going to be the starting center fielder for the uh, mm-hmm. for the Diamondbacks coming into the season." I think you'd have been like, "Really?" You know? <laughs> and now it's kind of expected the thing that he also has to worry about a little bit is, you know, if he does struggle out, they have another option. Gerardo Parra is essentially now the fourth outfitter, would appear. Well, if they want to get crazy, Cody Ross. Yeah, I technically. Mean, he could play center, but I think. AJ Pollock. I mean, they, they do have other options they could go so to. So he's not going to have this long window to figure it out. He needs to kind of hit the ground running, is I guess what I'm saying. That's fair. So it'll be interesting to see, though. It will be interesting to see. But I think we both say. You look at their organization, you look at the top ten. Chris Owings at number seven is a very interesting guy. Andrew Chafin, great half-year, terrible second half. Kind of put it together a little bit at the end there, but is an intriguing guy. A.J. Pollock, who's number ten. Gregorius will play in the majors for a long yeah, time. Yeah, Gregorius. In some role, but that glove, he'll, he'll play. So moving on, we got the Colorado Rockies top ten next. And the best way I can put it is, is there's a couple of guys, and there's at least one guy in here who I just love. But I, I do think it drops off pretty quickly. Um, Chad, uh, the way I can put it is Chad Bettis is number five. When you have a guy who missed the entire 2012 season, you know, that worries me. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when when you worry, okay, you have a, sh- a strained muscle, you know, behind your shoulder that basically sidelines you from spring training through the entire season. I'm concerned. I have good some, reason. I have some trepidations there. That's like I, I want to see that guy back on the mound before I'm ready to uh, to be uh, all in on uh, Chad Bettis. But mm-hmm. but David Dahl, on the other hand, <laughs> hey, <laughs> sign me up. Uh, you know what? Do you, what stands out from this organization to you? Uh, the position players are two and three. The two high school guys. Um, David you know, Dahl, from, Trevor Story. Yeah, Trevor Story. Uh, Trevor Story is very interesting to me. Uh, hit for extreme power in the Sally League last year. Admittedly, in a, in a great part yeah, to do it. And especially for Asheville. Yeah. He's going to be an infielder of some stripe. If it's third base, you know, he's, I think he's still got the bat. But Dahl, as you mentioned, had probably, I don't know, the best debut we've seen in, in how long? Whew. By a high school player? I Well, the, the, one of the ways to put it is is that high school players for a long time haven't had a chance to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before, you know, uh, a year or two ago, before the new draft rules, it had been, well, you're sorry, you can't sign until – the signing deadline, okay, you can get 12 at-bats now. Let's shut you down for, in, you know, get ready for instructs. Now he gets to go out there and hit 379, 423, 625. Admittedly, good hitters league, yes. pi- you know, pioneer league. The best hitters league. The best hitters. That being said, <laughs> usually when we talk about that, we're usually talking about 22-year-olds who's like, well, yeah, okay, he tore yeah. that league up. We're not usually talking about first-year high school guys. I love this distribution. 22 doubles, 10 triples, 9 homers. That's awesome. And – I, I, the best way I can put it, he's number two on this list. You know, when I'm putting together my personal 150 for the top one, the top our top hundred, David Dahl is going to be above Nolan Arenado on mine, uh, and that's nothing against the the top ten list or anything like that. But but David Dahl to me, like Nolan Arenado, who is number one on the list, Nolan Arenado is, I think, has a chance to be a very solid big leaguer. Mm-hmm. You know, he, kind of a, a setback year last year, some concerns when when you're. When your front office of your own team is saying, "Well, this guy's just not mentally ready to to make the jump," that's 
They don't usually say that publicly. Um, <laughs> things like that. So that's at least a little bit of a cause for concern. David Dahl, I, I think, could be, I mean, a superstar. Uh, I think you, you don't want to get too crazy over one, you know, half season in rookie ball. That being said, this isn't a guy who came out of nowhere. This was a guy who was considered one of the top talents in last year's draft. He basically profiles to hit for average, to hit for power. He can run. He can field. I mean, he... He gets thrown out way too often. He is a guy who could be a five-tool guy. Mm-hmm. Who do you compare him with? Like, if you're thinking of recent high school, is is he Jay Bruce? Is he, I mean, like, lefty high school outfielders? Uh, Jay, I mean, Jay Bruce, to me, is, you probably have to go back to that 05, you know, class. It's like, pick your... Is he like a lefty McCutcheon? Lefty hitting Andrew McCutcheon? Is he going to be that explosive? Big, you know, but, you know, I mean, he could be. I, I think he's, I think they're, you know, he's got a little bit better... Bigger frame than McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little taller. So, um, I you know, I think you look back at those 05 guys, and I, again, I don't want to go too crazy on it because, you know, we are very, or you know, it was a great year, but but it was. I mean, there were to put it this way, Jesse Winker, Reds, you know, outfielder, uh, first year guy, had a really good year in the Pioneer League as well. Not that good, but really good. And I'm not going that crazy about Jesse Winker. The 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 things that add up are. That David Dahl does that while playing a good, you know, he looks like he could be a very good hitter, hit for average, and could be, I mean, as our scouting report says, you know, could be a gold glove center fielder. Well, <laughs> that's, you know, that's a, that's a heck of a combo, uh, and it's hard not to get really excited about that. Um, I kind of like um, Ryan Wheeler coming in here at number 10, just based, I mean, they, they gave up nothing to get him. They gave up uh, Major League lefty Matt Daly. Uh, you know, the lefty reliever who the Diamondbacks were hot for for some reason, and uh, the Rockies get Wheeler here, who, you know, he's got he's got pretty much you know fives across the board, and if he gets the ball in the air in Colorado, like he the, can. The thing I like about it is, is that the position versatility too. Yeah. So if, if you look at Ryan Wheeler, he's not going to go into he's not going to the, you know spring training with the chance really to win a starting job, but he can play third, he can play first, he can play in the outfield to where. He could have a chance to be, you know, a useful bat off the bench, and those guys have value. Uh, if you look at what I, I keep hate to keep bringing up Reds, but <laughs> he's not, and he's not this good. You know, he also, you know, bats lefty, but he's not this good. But if you see what Todd Frazier did last year, where whenever the Reds had an injury, mm-hmm. hey, Todd Frazier, you can start there. Well, that's kind of what Ryan Wheeler can do a little bit of. Again, not as good at a lower level, I think, than Frazier, but. Okay, we need a third baseman for you know a couple of weeks. Well, he can do that. You know, you need a first baseman for a couple of weeks. He can do that if you need to. You know, we need a guy to play two days a week in the outfield. He can do that. I mean, again, that's why he's ten on this list. Is I don't think necessarily that he ever is going to be a, a you know an above average regular or anything like that. But he's a, he's a very useful guy. The one other guy I wanted to touch on in this that I, I would you know, there's some interesting pitchers on here. Chad Bettis, number five, is one of those who's interesting for not all the you know great reasons, but Tyler Matzik, who's number eight, is equally as interesting because that's been a fascinating career already <laughs> for the uh, 2009 first rounder. He, you know, came out of the draft, was considered, you know, a, a truly, a, you know, a, one of the elite pitchers in that draft. Shows up, and really in 2011, it all fell apart to the point where they sent him home midway through the year so that he could work with his high school, not his high school coach. His pitching instructor from his high school days, and what you saw in 2012, you saw some signs. I mean, it's it's that's a lot better than it was in 11. 
but and he was pitching in a, a very difficult league again, the California League. But you're still seeing a lot of wildness. The stuff is varies from being really good to being, you know, average. It's uh, are you a Tyler Matzik believer at this point, or are you more of uh, probably not? Uh, I, you know, with lefties, there's a lot of times there really just aren't any rules, and there's, you know, there's always a, there's always going to be a role, you know, for for a left-hander who throws hard. You know, you have a couple of good months in AAA, you could be in the big leagues in the bullpen. You know. Yeah, and so it's just you just can't ever give up on these guys. No, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't up. say that I'm hugely optimistic, but you know, no reason not to bump them up a double A and see what at happens. At the same time, yeah, the left-handed rule. Now, moving on to the Dodgers, uh, <laughs> the best way to put it is, is this Dodgers list looks a lot better because Frank McCourt's no longer the owner. <laughs> And the best way I can say that is because I feel pretty confident that there's a couple of players on this top ten who would not be there if you didn't have new ownership who's, that's <laughs> quite willing to spend money. You know, starting at Hyunjin Ru, you know, you know who I – if you go back to really old podcasts, if you want to do the research because we leave all our podcasts up there. I mean, going back to, I think, 2006. <laughs> go back to the World Baseball Co- Classic podcast where John Manuel and I were talking about, you know, Hyunjin Ru and just how – impressive he looked at times and we're, we're both fans and you know he moves right to number one on this list Yasiel Puig Cuban you know uh the Cuban who came over last year number two that's really um you take those two guys off this list and this list would be not nearly as interesting I guess would be the way to put it that's quite fair uh and after them you have Corey Seager first round pick this year and uh Jock Peterson number four uh, the outfielder from the 2010 draft who was in a second full year last year. And and then you go after that, you go first rounder, first rounder, and Zach Lee, uh, 2010 first rounder, Chris Reed, 2011 first rounder. I, it, this system drops off pretty quick. I, it's, and there's that's not surprising. I mean, there was a pretty good long stretch there. Again, when you're ranking bad owners in Major League Baseball history in the modern era, the you know Frank McCourt's not going to rank in the uh, – he's not going to rank on the good owner list. I'll put it that way. They didn't spend a lot of money uh, for several years there, especially internationally. They spent almost nothing, and it really—they were relying on some excellent scouting and kind of scouring through the bargain bin to try to. Uh, and then you throw on top of that that they made several trades last year that ended up sending talent away to bring in big leaguers, and so there's an understandable reason why the the system drops off pretty quickly uh, for the Dodgers. I do think, though, you know, at the top end. You, I, I think, is is a solid middle of the rotation starter. I think before we start the podcast, is, I put it as is, is that less upside but more certainty maybe than Tyler Skaggs, kind of that guy. Not body types are entirely different. Hyunjin <laughs> uh, Yu is, is is a much bigger guy. Do you, you think there's any chance he makes a Darvish like impact? No, you don't think it's quite that. I don't power think oriented. Stuff, I don't think his stuff's not that power oriented. It's more of the comps that we got back. I remember talking to scouts back, you know, with World Baseball Classic, was that 2010? Uh, was more like, think David Wells. Um, you know, that was kind of the thing that jumps out, and I think that's partly because he's he's, he's big. <laughs> and I don't mean big and six foot eight big, I think more round big. Um, but, uh, you know, but but the thing about him is is that he knows how to pitch, really. I mean, it's, his fastball's good. And, you know, he could, I think he could be a, yeah, if everything breaks together, he could be a very solid number two. On that, okay, in that rotation, they're not asking him to be number one. 
They've got a number one in Clayton Kershaw. And they have a number two in Granke. Right, they got a number two in Granke. He is in a perfect situation to come in. The Rangers needed you Darvish when you Darvish arrived to be their ace. The Dodgers mm-hmm. don't, and that's that's really good for him. Now, the interesting thing with that is, is that, you know, Fiasio Puig, he, if everything breaks right, could move pretty quickly, except for one problem. They don't have a whole lot of room in the outfield right now. Um, you know, so uh, maybe they won't, you know, move him that quickly. But but I would not be shocked at all to say by the end of the year that you be, could be wondering, okay, is Puig ready to, you know, ready to make the jump to the big leagues? And that's coming off of almost no at-bats last year. But. Man, and they have first base block, too. It's a very, very strange setup they have. So he's – is there any prospect more likely to be traded? No, I think at some point, you know, I, I mean, they have some guys who I think you have to first see, you know, you have to see if Carl Crawford is. Ethier and, Contra- and uh, Crawford have huge deals. I mean, right. They're, they're going to be tough to move. Not impossible, but difficult. If you're making $320 million on your TV deal, uh, which <laughs> hasn't been approved yet, but if that happens, you can eat a lot of money on deals without really <laughs> even noticing it. So Thanks. if Puig's better than those guys, I, I don't think that they're going to trade Puig. But, you know, I, I do think Jock Peterson, on the other hand, if I'm him, I would not be buying a house in L.A. yet. I, I, I want to see – I hate to be too skeptical because I, I think he had a very good year. I do want to see him do it in Double in A this year because mm-hmm. I, I, I worry a little bit that that may have been a little bit in, inflated by playing in, in the Cal League. Yeah, from the Pioneer League a couple years ago, the most interesting comp I got in him was um, Gerardo Parra. Just and a, a solid left-handed hitting outfielder who can play all three I, spots. I'm, I'm no, to, no tool jumps off the page. Major league ability, not necessarily profile power. I'm absolutely behind that. If you're thinking that, I'm all behind it. If you're thinking much more than that, I'm not yet there. You know, personally, from the, from the yeah. scouts I've talked to. So I kind of like him in that in that way. Now we move on to here the Padres, go. which, as you, said, you know, I, I'm speaking here with the author of the Padres top ten, Matt Eddy, and you had an interesting decision because. The best way I can put it is is that I, this is one of the rare teams that I think you could argue anyone in the top five on the top five on this prospect list, which to get you know catch you up if you haven't seen our top ten on this, Casey Kelly, Max Fried, Jed Yorko, Austin Hedges, Reimer Liriano. Is it fair to say any one of those top five could have been in consideration for number one, or is that being too strong on Hedges and Liriano? Uh, at various points, I considered each of the top four for the number one spot. And really what it came down to was risk tolerance. If you want to say who has the highest ceiling, I think Max Fried, the lefty they took uh, seventh overall this year, or Austin Hedges, the catcher from the second round last year. If you, if you could accept the risk of those guys being you know, in the low, low minors based on their ceilings, I think you could make a case for them at number one. Um, whereas if you wanted a little more certainty, Casey Kelly or Jed Jorko would be your man. And uh, If you want a little bit of both, you could, you know, like I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Reimer Liriano fan, more than I think most, um, partly just because I remember, you know, and you, you don't want to be too colored by, you know, by first-person observations, but I remember the first time I saw him and went, wait, that guy stole 50-plus bases in the uh, Midwest. Looks like a linebacker. Year. He is huge. <laughs> now, and I was impressed in that the the thing that when I was talking to scouts about him last year, they said was, is, you know, hey, I, I worry how that approach is going to play at higher levels. He wasn't great at Double A, but he wasn't terrible. He he kind of found himself a little bit there after a, you know, in the in after his promotion. You know, I, I understand why he's five on this list, but that's a pretty good sign to be fifth on this list because he's. I think he could be a top hundred guy. 
Yeah, he could be. Uh, the best explanation, you know, when you talk about his over-aggressiveness at the plate, uh, that just seems to be his general demeanor. And the best explanation I got on that was, baseball, you have to be selectively aggressive, you know? There's a time to unleash that, but it's just not on, you know, right. oh, and it's, really, not, it's not with no balls and no strikes. Right. And really what it comes down to is, can he figure that out? Can he get to a point where he's seeing 2-0, 2-1 counts? Because if he does... 3-1, you know? We, I mean, we saw it. We saw it in the Cal League, Carolina League All-Star game when... No one doubts his power, his speed, his range, his arm. It's just about the hit tool, which just getting, just hey, being able to hit. The the <laughs> the world of uh, prospect list is littered with guys who the one question is the hit tool. That's 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 not the question. You, I mean, that, there are guys who figured out. There are a lot of guys who don't. And you look at Jorko. He's got the hit tool figured out. He can play yeah. third. He can play second at least early in his career. Not not at a high level of proficiency. Uh, you know, but in, in, second base has become. There are teams who view second base very much as an offensive position. If you can knock the ball down and throw it to first, you're yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and he can do that. Now, Kelly. Uh, I guess the question I'll ask you is: is the, the the story always the case of Kelly has always been the stuff looks good. You look at it. You know, he's athletic. You see all that. And then and last year was really kind of an injury plagued year. So we don't really. I mean. You didn't really get a great read on him one way or another last year, but why doesn't he? I mean, we talked we talked about missing bats earlier. He missed more bats last year, actually. Yeah, in, he in his very small sample. It was one per inning for the first did, time in his career. What did something improve? Did something change? Or, or why is it in the past he struggled to miss bats? Or, or do you think he's what we saw last year? Do you think that's part of a trend that he's he's figuring that out? I think uh, the, the, he started throwing the curveball with more power, and that got more swings and misses. He was around the zone a lot last year, too. I mean, he, he walked 13 guys all year. So he's, he's got very strong control. He's an extreme ground ball pitcher. and that In the major leagues, there's like a dozen pitchers who had a higher ground ball rate than him. Uh, misses bats now. He's big. He's athletic. He's going to improve the changeup command just based on his how he repeats his delivery and his athleticism. I, th- I think he's a, he's a pretty good bet. You know, we've we've already seen him have a couple good starts in the majors. You know, and to me, that sealed the deal. That major league experience that that's what put him ahead of Freed and Jericho for me. The thing that stood out to me also was is that one of the things I liked about the Padres system was I feel like it's a pretty deep system. Like that, you know, the best way I can put it is is that. 15, going going into our prospect handbook. 15 is Brad Boxberger. Brad Boxberger had a solid year at the big league level after coming up last year as a reliever last year, and he's number 15. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, it's really have like 15 strikeouts per nine this year. <coughs> Just a, a crazy swing and miss rate. <laughs> Jeff Decker, you know, who is kind of questioned. I mean, there's a lot of questions there, but 23rd. Travis Janikowski, 21, who, you know, is, is an intriguing guy. I, I feel like that there is a good bit of depth in the Padres system. That you have five guys who could, you know, who can contend for the top hundred, and then you have a lot of guys who could could have roles in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's fair. Uh, it's an organization that knows how to develop pitchers for its bullpen. That's for sure. It doesn't hurt to have the you know to have the park they have too. That that helps, yeah. that helps pitchers develop. Instills a lot of confidence. You know, I, again, when but who's going to be playing shortstop? Averth Cabrera, Logan Forsythe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, that's the question. But it, it's like we talked about, you know, last year with Robbie Earl and Joe Wheeler with the trade. It's like, yes, this is a team you want to be traded to if you are a control <laughs> pitcher who doesn't walk guys and get can get you know hit a little hard by the home run at times. Yes, Fly ball this pitchers. is where you want to be. Yep. And that moves us to the Giants, which, hey, you know, they're the they're they're the champs. 
They have a very intriguing number one prospect in, in Kyle Crick, who uh, I think uh, by midseason this year, you know, really could be among that group. I mean, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of intriguing pitching, but he's he's a part of that group of very intriguing pitchers. Oh, show me a high school pitcher the Giants have ever developed. Come on. Yeah, I know. You just got to be skeptical about an organization that's had Matt Cain and you know Bumgarner, Bum Zach, Zach Wheeler. We can just keep going. You know, yeah. <laughs> After that, um, it drops off pretty quick. <laughs> Joe Panic number two. I, I you know, I, I, the best way I put it is, is, I don't think if I'm putting together a top hundred today, I don't know if Joe Panic's on it. Probably yeah. not. In fact, actually, I mean, if I'm going through shortstops, he's not in my short list of the top shortstops in the minors. Tough call. And then Gary Brown is blocked by Pagan now, and I don't know. And Gary Brown. You know, I, I think it's solid, um, but you know, it, it, he's probably not going to be a star. Um, you've got you've got Heath Embry who could be a useful reliever. You know, on this list, you've got Roger Kieschnick who's probably you know, I I think he's kind of. I mean, Roger Kieschnick. I, I think it's fair to say he's got to prove he's going to be more than an up and down guy, and he's in the top ten. I mean, that's. I don't want to be too harsh on it, but it, does that seem fair to you? I mean, I, I don't think he's a guy right now that you can point to and say, that guy's definitely going to be a, a solid big league regular. Yeah, I agree. And so it, it just it drops off pretty quick. Um, yeah, the the big thing being Crick at number one and you know, Blackburn at number six, the guys from the low A staff. They had Edwin Escobar, the left-hander. I guess he's just outside of the top ten. Just you know, And then, and, and you know, Alberto uh, Mejia, who was, you know, who also was on that Augusta staff. So, yeah, they, the Augusta pitchers were the most interesting part of the uh, the Giants organization from a prospect standpoint last year, I thought. Now we'll, we'll get to see them be, you know, they'll, they'll largely be together again this year. And San Jose should have one of the better rotations in the, uh, in the minors. Uh, I think that's fair to say. The thing is, is that if you're not going to be seeing San Jose in the Giants system, the rest of it might be a little less... Uh, <laughs> Less interesting, Chris Stratton. I mean, I don't want to. You know, we we need to mention him because you know you are talking about their their first rounder from last year. He could be pretty good. I just think overall, they were 28th. I think when we did our our prospect handbook rankings, there's a reason for that. And, and again, hey, that's not a knock on the Giants. If you're a Giants fan listening to this, I you know I, for one, you're not going to get any sympathy at all from anyone else going, "Oh no, our, our farm system's 28th." That's fine. You just won your second World Series in the last, you know, in a not too long, you know, not too distant span. Um, you know, they, they're, and they don't, the reality is, is that they're a veteran laden team. That's their approach that they do. They've used, I mean, this list, this list would look a lot better if they had Zach Wheeler there. Yeah, but, I was going to say, if they have Wheeler and Tommy Joseph won too, that, move, that moves them up to like 15. Oh, at least. yeah. At least. I mean, so. that would be the difference. But you know what? You're, if you make those moves and you win World Series, that's okay. Yep. I mean, Hunter Pence didn't have a great year there, but if Hunter Pence isn't there for the playoffs, you know, what do they do? I mean, he maybe they don't make, maybe they don't win the World Series. That's worth a Tommy Joseph. I don't think there's any question of that. Is anyone else stand out on this, or I mean, is that you kind of agree with that assessment? Uh, Mike Kickham is an interesting left-hander. You know, a double A this year. Misses bats, has some, has some power pitches. I mean, I'm not <laughs> more like a four type starter. But I think he has major league arm. But well, so that will put a bow on our uh, our 2012 slash 13 
preseason top ten uh, podcast. But don't worry, we'll, we'll be podcasting uh, frequently uh, coming forward. We, you know, we will have to give you kind of a roadmap for what we have coming up on the site next week. We'll have other stuff too, but we'll have Caribbean series coverage. But but the main thing on the site over the next week will be that we have uh, our college preview is is rolling in full swing. We'll have all of our region previews next week, which are extremely in depth looks at every Division One conference. Um, you know the top players and the you know top draft prospects, the top teams, our predicted order finish, our notes, all, all that. We'll have features as well next week. The week after that, we will also then roll out, you know, the, the projected field of 64, for, you know, where we help Aaron Fitz sees the, uh, which teams are going to be in, which teams are going to be out. And then it's hard to believe it's not that far away. Well, actually, it is not hard, hard to believe at this point. But we'll have also coming up that, that next week, we'll have the uh, top 100 prospects. The issue we're starting to work on uh, really soon here now. We just put the uh, college preview to bed, so it's top 100 time. We'll have... At least one, maybe ten podcasts, you know, <laughs> around the top hundred. A podcast about each player. Yeah. Okay, and number one, <laughs> we'll have, you know, the number 28. Okay, number 92 prospect. We'll do a – hey, we could. I mean, we'll was, count them down, yeah. You know. Um, Stay tuned for those 90s. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people would drop off subscribing to our podcast if we did that probably. <laughs> I could be wrong. Tell me, if I'm, tell me if I'm wrong. You know, you can tweet uh, at JJCoop36. You can always at Baseball America or at Ed, Eddie – MK. Yeah. Uh, so you, know, you can tweet us. You know, if we're if we're wrong about that, and you want to hear the top 100 podcast when you do a 100 podcast about it, but also we'll have we're working on the World Baseball Classic preview. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled about that. I, I'm working on a feature on Team China, but also kind of notes and news about players to watch from all the Asian clubs that are going to be in the in the World Baseball Classic. Some very intriguing prospects that we will be seeing in the U.S. probably in years to come. They'll be playing uh, for Japan, Korea, Taiwan slash Chinese Taipei, whichever one you want to call them. Maybe not so much for for Team China. Um, <laughs> so we'll have podcasts about that coming up, and then we're going to have a regular pro- you know prospect. And and if there's any significant tr- other trades, I can't imagine at this point that we're going to have any more big trades before spring training starts. But if we do, we'll talk about it. We'll podcast about it. So thank you as always for the download. Thank you for, if you have already bought your Prospect Handbook, we really do appreciate it. It's one of the most fun things that we get to do every year. But we only get to do it. We only get to put that in your hands because you buy it. You know, that's how this, you know, capitalistic system works. So we really do appreciate that, and thank you for that. And so for Matt Eddy, I'm J.J. Cooper. Thanks for the download, and we'll see you next week. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.